Paul, an apostle of Christ, was commissioned by Christ himself to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and establish the church structure in Gentile nations. His story is unique and provides evidence of the providential nature of God and his ability to cause all things to work for good, even the things that cause us immense regret and sorrow. Paul was a high-ranking Pharisee, knowledgeable and passionate about the law and scriptures. Paul could have also been regarded as a zealot of sorts because he hunted for first century Christians whom he considered to be heretics. For his cause, Paul approved and sometimes witnessed the execution of many first century Christians. One notable execution that Paul witnessed and approved was that of Stephen as recorded in the book of Acts. Stephen was a spirit-filled disciple of Christ. He died a martyr. Paul was his persecutor, and it was that persecutor that the resurrected Christ Jesus confronted while Paul was on the road to Damascus. On his journey to Damascus, Paul heard the voice of the Lord and saw a bright light like the light Peter, James, and John witnessed during Jesus' transfiguration. The men that traveled with him heard a voice as well, but they did not see anything. While that was a fascinating experience, it was also disarming. Jesus then posed a powerfully convicting question. Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's humble response to Christ resulted in a powerful transformation that has positively impacted the Christian church. People were amazed by Paul's transformation. Still amazed, many modern believers have wrongfully described Paul's Damascus experience as a conversion from Judaism to Christianity. It is more accurate to say that Paul converted to Christ and not that he converted from Judaism to Christianity. After his conversion, Christ appointed Paul to be an apostle and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul leveraged his in-depth knowledge of the law and scripture and a profound story of God's amazing grace released into his life to teach grace and freedom from the law through the new covenant made by Jesus' death on the cross. Persecuted for spreading the gospel, Paul wrote most of his letters to the churches while in prison. Paul authored 13 epistles which make up nearly a quarter of the New Testament. Paul names himself as the author of each epistle. The letter to the Romans is one of those epistles. He likely wrote this letter in Corinth, mid to late 50s. Phoebe, a deacon, transported the letter to the church in Rome. Romans is a Pauline epistle or letter. It's written in Greek. Now regarding the historical cultural context of Romans. The church in Rome was founded before Apostle Paul wrote a letter to them. Scholars continually debate about who founded the church in Rome. Because the church was in Rome, some scholars think the church consisted of Gentile majority and a Jewish minority. Others think that due to the distinctly Jewish contents of the letter, the majority likely, likely consisted of Jewish people with a Gentile minority. Regardless, Jewish Christians likely founded the church, thereby instituting a church with a distinctively Jewish nature. Around AD 59, Jews were forced to leave the Roman province while their Gentile counterparts remained at the church. Approximately five years later, after the death of Claudius, Jews slowly returned to the Roman province where they encountered a church that likely no longer resembled the distinctly Jewish church they had left behind. While those circumstances may not have directly informed Paul's reason for writing the letter, the disunity that seemed to be occurring among the Jews and the Gentiles may have prompted him to write it and seize the opportunity to accomplish three purposes. The first purpose may have been to introduce himself to the church since he did not found it and he never visited them. The second reason may have been to request that they serve as his base for missionary work in the western Mediterranean region. Third, Paul may have written the letter to serve as a comprehensive 
exposition of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the Roman church could share with other churches should he be unable to meet them himself. Paul's letter to the church in Galatia reads like a summary of his exhaustive epistle to the Romans. In that letter, he explained the primary purpose of the law. He argued that the law was good in that it promoted holiness and moral living, but due to the fallen nature of mankind, no one could observe the law perfectly and could never be justified by the law. He then shared that he and Cephas, that is Peter, though they were ethnic Jews, could not uphold the law and were no more righteous than their Gentile counterparts. He aimed to end the Judaizing that was taking place so that the Jews and Gentiles would remember that circumcision, eating kosher, and observing the Sabbath did not make them righteous, but they were only made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul expounds on that issue in his letter to the Romans. Paul's letter to the Romans is his longest and most exhaustive epistle. Each chapter is neatly woven to make one significant point. The power of God brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The letter unfolds in seven sections. Paul began the letter by introducing himself as an apostle appointed by the Son of God and descendant of David to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. In the introduction, Paul revealed that the gospel he preached to the Gentiles aligned with God's promise to Israel. Jesus was born as the seed of David and therefore the Jewish Messiah and the appointed Son of God with power and therefore Lord of the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Paul then expressed his longing to visit the Romans and explained why he had been unable to do so. His declaration in verses 16 and 17 is the theme of his letter, and every word after that would be the exposition of said theme. The verse reads as follows, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ, because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it is revealed God's righteousness from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. In the next section, Paul highlighted the depravity of mankind and the righteousness of God. He aimed to demonstrate that Jews and Gentiles alike fell short of the glory of God. As such, all of them were subject to God's judgment. Paul emphasized that regardless if you were a Jew who had the law or a Gentile whose conscience served as the law for you, all will be held accountable to God and none could be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Paul then expressed the good news to his readers in the following section of his letter. That's 321 to 521. Although everyone falls short of the glory of God, they are freely justified by the grace of God through the redemption found in Christ Jesus, whom the Father sent to be the atoning sacrifice for all. He explained that they were justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Paul then used a powerful example in chapter 4 that modern readers easily missed. He leveraged the story of Abraham to explain justification by faith and prove that thousands of years before Jesus was incarnated and became the sacrificial atonement for all mankind, justification by faith was already active. Abraham's faith in God was credited to him as righteousness while he was uncircumcised. Only after God credited his faith to him as righteousness did Abraham get circumcised. Abraham received the sign of circumcision a seal of righteousness of the faith which he had while he was in uncircumcision that he might be the father of all those who believe though they might not though they might be in uncircumcision that righteousness might also be accounted to them he is the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision but who also walk in the steps of the 
of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had in uncircumcision. For the promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he should be the heir of the world wasn't through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In chapter 5, Paul explained the spiritual benefits of justification by faith. Among those benefits are justification, peace with God, access to the throne of grace, the ability to remain joyful through suffering, the indwelling Holy Spirit, salvation from God's wrath, and reconciliation with God. Paul then drew a powerful comparison between Adam and Jesus. He demonstrated that through one man's sin, Adam, sin and death entered the world and made all mankind sinful. Nevertheless, as awful as that was, one man, Jesus Christ, came on the scene and through him abundant grace and the gift of righteousness was made available to all mankind. In the next section, Paul expounded on the juxtaposition of being a slave to sin and a slave to righteousness. He then implored the readers to recognize and embrace the moral and significant implications of being justified by faith in Christ. He argued that in Christ, one must not continue to sin and in him, by the power of the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, we have the ability not to sin. On the contrary, in the flesh, one does not have the power to overcome sin despite one's desire to do so. Next, in chapters 9-11, through 11, Paul shared his grief about Israel's rejection of the gospel, but made it clear that God is faithful and will fulfill his promise concerning Jewish people. Then in chapters 12-1 to 15-13, Paul provided instructions for living with an emphasis on promoting unity between the Jews and Gentiles. Finally, in 1514-1627, he concluded his letter by explaining its bold contents. He also detailed his plan to visit Rome, requested prayer, greeted his Roman companions, and thanked Phoebe for carrying the letter to the church. Romans is a powerful letter. You gotta read it today. Thank you.